0: и а а
1: Welcome to Essential Conversations. I'm your host, Rebecca, with my co-host... Luca Hallex. Oh, I get just, to
0: say Rebecca Mears. I know, I
1: just, I know my own name. I don't need to say my own, I guess I do. <laughs> Rebecca Mears. This is who I am. <laughs> We're coming to you live from up the top on Simon Fraser University on Burnaby Mountain. And I would like to take a minute to uh, acknowledge that we are broadcasting from the unceded ancestral territory of the Coast Salish peoples, the Squamish, the Musqueam, the Coquitlam, and the tsleil and I am a settler on this land, so is Luca, and uh, we seek to increase our understanding of what that means, the responsibility that we carry, the displacement that has occurred, the... Um, the wisdom, negative, knowledge
0: of the land. Yeah,
1: I was going to say the negative things that, that settlering has and colonization and individuals under those guises have done to First Nations folk, to the Aboriginals of this land. Um, and yes, the wisdom that is there for those who have been the stewards of this land mm-hmm. for thousands of years, thousands of years. They know it way better mm-hmm. than I do, that is mm-hmm. for sure. So we are here in the studio today, and we're, we were thinking of what to talk about today. Which is always a delicious thing
0: to do. It is. Because we mine for what's going on in our lives that day. So, today.
1: So, instead of it being, you know, oh, I know a lot about that, Mm -hmm. that's not, actually, that's really not how we choose our topics, it? No, we talk more about what we don't know about. (laughs) Uh Because that's where the interesting part lies. Um, I suggested to Luca that we talk about safety and security, more specifically, the illusion of safety and security. So, there's a little bit of an assumption that I have going into this, which uh, comes from my own life experience, and that is... Um, what I consider to be safe or what I consider to be secure does not necessarily match the opinions of other people around me, which then begs the question, so what is safety? What is security? And is it something that we get to choose or that we get to create? And if we do, how do we create that? And, and how do we know if we are actually creating more safety or security for ourselves? And why do we think this is a priority um, so here's a few of the questions that are rolling around in our minds today. We've got all yeah. kinds of tidbits yep. and thoughts to, to explore together with you while we discuss this in studio. Well, and
0: it, it begs the question, what, what do we find dangerous? Right? Yeah. <laughs> what, what's dangerous? And, and there's so many different compartments that we can look in. So one is what's dangerous in relationship? Mm. and what's dangerous in the world around us, like what I like to call the tigers. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a wonderful friend who just went on a, on a hike by herself in the wilderness, and uh, she was concerned about bears and that's a legitimate concern and you know how much can you do to mitigate against the bears that you might run into mm-hmm. so bears tigers you know <laughs> lions and tigers and bears. snakes like what like what is it that that is our particular brand of scary thing that we could run into that Against which we have no defense or little defense. Right. Um, my mother had a fire in her apartment building at the beginning of May. So right. fire is a is another one. Right. Um, it might be fire that you start. It might be an accident. It might be, uh, it might be deliberate. Like we we. But but fire. Like what do you what yeah. we, what do we do? These are all the things that we try and take out insur- insurance against. And there's only, so much you can do to mitigate it. I was having a little bit of. Uh,
1: a rant about insurance just on our way up here. And I don't even know that I was remembering that we were talking about this topic today Yeah, Um, because uh, I don't know about you, Luca. I don't know about the listeners, but I just feel like insurance is 90% scam, 10%. Oh, I'm glad I had it. Uh, Because it's mostly this, especially this experience I was just going through with renewing, where I was basically told, "Oh, we're going to charge you X amount more." And actually, we don't even offer your policy anymore, so we're just extending yours. Like you're lucky, kind of thing. Nobody else can get this. Yeah, and you don't, and you won't get
0: it if you go anywhere else.
1: Yeah, and nobody else is charging as less. You know, you're unusual. We're going to cover you, but um, the only reason that we're going to actually kind of let you keep doing this is, can you please sign here, you know, saying that you you actually haven't made any claim in this last year, which they should know because they had my policy but it's it's one of those things where it's like okay so you want me to give you all of this money for my insurance but as soon as I actually make a claim you don't want me anymore
0: yeah, because they so find reasons not to and yet, not to pay you instead of to pay you. But right? you have to
1: prove that you
0: haven't done anything
1: wrong. Yeah, the whole point of me buying insurance is because we're supposedly finding security yep. for if something goes wrong. But ba- basically I'm starting to feel like it's a Yeah, but if it goes wrong once then, you know, you're cursed. So forget it. We're now not going well, to We're going to charge,
0: we're going to up your your <laughs> policy, your rates and and it's still going to be hard for yeah. you to claim when... So the does come.
1: insurance make us secure?
0: I'm not mm. sure. I mean, my mom's sure glad that she has it right now right. because otherwise she would be out on the street with nowhere to live for a year. Yeah. Um, so, but... The, the dealing with the insurance company has not she, been a picnic. She
1: still doesn't have a place to live. No, she's still in it's She's two, still living two and and a half months in now. Yeah, two and a half months in. Still doesn't have a place to live because mm-hmm. they haven't actually hooked her up. So there's a lot of things mm-hmm. where it's like we think it's going to provide these things, mm-hmm. but then it's not actually following through. So it becomes a placeholder. And that's the official protection. Right. right? That's the protection that we
0: buy, that yeah. we pay money for, and we think that if we have it, then will be we'll okay be sa- we'll be if safe. something happens but i was also thinking about what what are we protection from what right right so is it protection from change mm. is it uh, protection from chance like what could like just, just my role of like we have a, a, a maybe an earthquake right like what what are the chances that we would have an earthquake or that my my Person or my belongings or my home will be affected by it. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe protection from power or the abuse of power
1: or nefarious wrongdoers,
0: right, nefarious wrongdoers, bur- bur- burglars, <laughs> like um, muggers, like all the things that <laughs> yeah. we think. Right? Um, prote- protection against aging. Mm. Like because I like almost every woman I speak to. And we laugh about it. We're afraid of being bag ladies, (laughs) right? Mm. He's sitting on a park bench with all our belongings in a plastic bag and cats.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'd be happy with the cats part, but yeah. Well, maybe not sitting on a you know homeless with cats cats. like it's it's that.
0: But is it is it realistic?
1: We don't know because it's about the future, right? And why is it unknown? And why is it in your mind? Because you've seen people. In that position, yeah. And, and is when... it
0: safety and security against the unknown, right? And how how big and amorphous is that? Yeah, the unknown, right? And by its very nature, is not known, right? Yeah. So, so we don't know if we're ever even going to need any of these protections that we're paying into, mm-hmm. and that's the ones that we pay for.
1: Yeah, and there's other things that that have to do with. Um, How we structure our lives. It can even come down to life choice, like choosing a career path. How many of us have chosen things based on, well, this will be good security for when I'm older. Like this is a good jobs market. Even
0: education, right? Yeah. I mean, my mother believed that having a university education would protect me as a woman because then she then I couldn't be refused a job because I didn't have enough education.
1: <laughs> Instead we get refused for a bunch of other for reasons. For other
0: things that she couldn't have possibly imagined at yeah. the time. Yeah. Right? So like yeah. I wanted to be I I was psychic. I wanted to work as a psychic <laughs> and she said to me with the best intentions in the world, she said, But you can't make a living at that, dear. Mm-hmm. And so that was protection again, right? This is, don't, you can't do what you really, really, really love because it won't be safe. Mm -hmm. So how how much do we limit ourselves by what might
1: not or what probably isn't safe? The fear-based approach for choices. I encountered the same thing when I was a teen. I was very convinced that I wanted to become a counsellor. And... My mom was very afraid for my heart. Mm-hmm. She knew I had this big wide open heart mm-hmm. and came to me one day and said, "Heart I can't on me. legs" is what I called you <laughs> <Yeah>. one day. <laughs> it will be so hard, Rebecca. It will be so hard. Yeah. And I and I listened to her yeah. and I took it off my list and I decided I would go into teaching or something and I start but it, that wasn't my joy. That wasn't where everything was going to make me sing. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't not be a counsellor because everybody was always coming to be counselled by me <laughs> so Always. All of my years. It was yeah. basically yeah. just how I, that's the heart on you legs walking and, and people yeah. come up to the heart on legs. Yeah. And um, <laughs> and they want heart because they see heart on legs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so the idea that we are somehow protecting ourselves, avoiding dangerous situations And I think it also has
0: to do with what each of us individually perceives to be a risk. So some people, I know some people who have got married five times. And they don't look at it and say, well, my first four marriages didn't work, so therefore marriage is a really risky proposition and I'm not going to do it anymore. They just say, okay, the fifth one's the charm. Right? Mm-hmm. But because that for them, that is not a perceived risk.
1: Mm.
0: But they might not let go of their job, even though they're not happy in it, because they're afraid that they won't find something mm-hmm. else that will have security. So it's not even about reality necessarily, mm-hmm. but more about our perception of mm-hmm. what risk could be. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and then we, we put our protections in place accordingly. We had a very interesting piece that you read out to me earlier. Yeah, that I'm just pulling this up. Share so this with our friend.
1: listeners, uh, Amir. If you're listening today, hey, thank you for for this. Um, mm-hmm. So Amir was um, sharing with me this idea of um, a book called Thinking Fast and Slow, and he threw me over a quote from it. In today's world, terrorists are the most significant practitioners of the art of inducing availability cascades. And this is hooking into an idea from the book of what is most available, what's most in front of our face tends to be what we are afraid of. We
0: could also call it accessible, right? Yes. It's easy for us to access. Yes. In memory or in proximity.
1: And this is why we... It becomes a focal point of our of our fears or and therefore our decision making. Um, but with a few horrible exceptions, such as 9-11, the number of casualties from terror attacks is very small relative to other causes of death. Even in countries that have been targets of intensive car- terror campaigns, such as Israel, the weekly number of casualties almost never came close to the number of traffic deaths the difference in the is the in blah, blah, let me start that again the difference is in the availability of the two risks the ease and the frequency with which they come to mind yeah. gruesome images endlessly repeated on the media cause everyone to be on edge this makes me think of you know, the media these days and the states yeah. and, and how we create mm-hmm. problems and magnify them. Um, as the writer knows from experience, it is difficult to reason oneself into a state of complete calm. <laughs> it's very true. <laughs> Once the yeah. emotions are elevated, we can't. Yeah. 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 And the idea there of what are we afraid of? How is that being informed? Is it yeah. being informed by stuff that we're seeing in the media, by things that are frequently and do repeated. do check it out? Yeah, right. by things that are frequently repeated in our family, mm-hmm. right? Think about that, like mm-hmm. the fears of your parents, mm-hmm. which probably were, were due to things from their childhood. I think of my father's mm-hmm. fear of, of being destitute, of, of being yeah. poor, of not yeah. having enough money. And it transferred to me as a mm-hmm. fear of... I didn't know what it was. I, actually, what it transferred to me was as an experience of being very poor, yeah. Which wasn't actually grounded in what was real, yeah. um, but we in, we we can. It's like we're exposed to these things and we just accept them as frameworks, mm-hmm. and as you said, sure. as truth, it, as it becomes truth. 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 Yeah. Is it really true? It's such a valuable question to ask. Is that really Mm -hmm. something I need to be afraid of? This quote that I just read was referring to terrorist attacks. And I lived in a country that was at war for three decades. I didn't live there for three decades. The war was for three decades. I lived there for almost one decade. And the war was ongoing while I was there. I was not in the war-torn areas, but everybody that I knew had been impacted by it. And yet, perception back home of family and friends was that I was in immediate danger. Mm -hmm. And I would frequently receive, yes, their fear. And they they felt I was being unsafe by even being in this country, whereas being closer to the ground, having more information is like, no, I'm actually perfectly safe. I am perhaps more safe than I might be (laughs) sitting in a North American town in some ways. And but the perception of that is so important. And so for me, my locus of control is myself. I can't change how other people are thinking about things, but I certainly can examine it myself. Mm-hmm. So if I recognize that I have a fear of something, I can go probing. <laughs> Where <laughs> does this come from? Yes. Yeah. And sometimes there's
0: cellular memory from ge- that comes to us genetically? Yeah. Because both of my parents grew up, their formative years were war-torn. I mean, right. the Second World War. Uh, both sides of the war—one mm. one on one side, one on the other side, mm. right—and and that uh, that informs how they look at the world, in, in some in positive ways, and some negative ways. Yeah. But but it's in there, right? And so I wonder what would happen, would have happened, even if I had been an orphan, uh, would I have had that genetically encoded in my cells, um, or and how much of it comes from how we're socialized because of a recent experience uh cultural and economic and uh, otherwise right. right yeah
1: well and they and we would often just call call those triggers because yeah. we know yeah. where they originated yeah. mm-hmm. and therefore we yeah. know such as i've been in through uh, several car accidents so therefore in a certain kind of driving situation i become very afraid yeah. because of that um although i've managed that or what have you um I'm suddenly remembering a trip that I took to the Alder Grove Zoo a number of years ago when Moses was a baby. My firstborn was a baby. I haven't been to that zoo in a long time. There's a lot of problems with that zoo. But this day pushing the cart through the zoo and my insides were jumping around like leap de leap de leap it was a really weird feeling like viscera was moving (laughs) yeah noticeable (laughs) how do you normally like you might feel crampy in your viscera and that's why you know you notice it but mine was jumping (laughs) I didn't understand it it was very concomic kept grabbing my stomach like what are you doing in there Mm -hmm. it wasn't like indigestion it was just moving on me. And I wandered my way around this whole zoo and I eventually ended up near where they had a lion. And the lion was pacing and it was growling at a very low, a low, low audible level. Right? level. Yes. Yeah. And as I got close and I could hear it actually audibly now, mm-hmm. my viscera was doing the same thing. And I was like, oh. So you were
0: picking it up viscerally before your ears could even hear it. And They say that sound travels... Across the desert. Yeah. Right? The, across the savannah. So
1: why did my viscera mm-hmm. know to quake? Mm-hmm. <laughs> why did it know to be afraid mm-hmm. of a lion's roar? Well, mm-hmm. how many millennia do we go back in human history to know that yeah. we've the always lions, been tigers, afraid of lions, whatever. right? Yeah, yeah. Yes. <laughs> they're not going to be your friend unless oh, I get them when they're babies and then they come and live with me and then maybe they be my friend. Yeah. But, yes. So Danger. that's that's something where I can, like, look to, okay, this is in my DNA. Mm-hmm. But then what about, um, I have this fear of, of water, and you had a conversation with me one day, and you're like, oh, well, that's because you drowned, and you were shipwrecked in the middle of the ocean. Which <laughs> sounds
0: was- terribly simplistic, but when it comes through, you either know it's true or not. It it does... it. it- it vibrates something inside
1: you. Yeah, yeah. And and the whole, you know, multiple lives thing is up on my shelf of I don't really know what to do with that. But at sometimes it's like, well, that kind of feels like it helps me untangle something that I don't really know what else to do with in this life. Strange connections with random people that I meet. And it's like, whoa, that is so powerful. This makes no sense. I've just met this person. Or this, this fear of I've never had any problems with water. Why am I so deathly? And I know how to swim. And yes. I know how to yes. sail. Yes. And I, you know, I've learned all of these things, but don't put me on an ocean. Nope.
0: <laughs> it's so interesting.
1: <laughs> on a lake, I'm yeah. fine. But the ocean, nope.
0: <laughs> I didn't like rain when I was uh, out in it. Uh, I mean, if I, it, being caught in the rain, if I had a raincoat on and an umbrella and everything, then I was okay. But being caught in the rain freaked me out. <laughs> and not at a, paralytic level, but at a, um, I would... I would, It was distressing. It was distressing. I would take steps to avoid it.
1: And noticeably more distressing, I'm guessing, than your friends would be if they were oh, caught God, in a Oh, yes. They all I thought get,
0: I was being weird.
1: I get delighted when I'm caught in a rainstorm. Oh, yes. Yeah.
0: But if I'm prepared, I'm okay, right? So I couldn't figure out what that was. And you we and I were in the car one day, and I was describing this to you and saying, I don't know why I have this. And I saw this picture, and I felt it of walking along beside a river in India, big river, so it was probably the Ganges, and I I had both of my children with me, and I was holding hands with each of them on either side of me, and there was a flash flood, and my children were torn out of my hands, and we were all whisked away by the river, and that was it, never saw them again. Hmm. And it was right as I was telling you about feeling mm. uncomfortable with surprise rain, mm. and I thought, "Oh my God, that's what it is." Now I've never been as bad with the rain since then.
1: Right, right. So, so were it's a, you, that's a
0: perceptual thing. Yeah.
1: Right? So we so you put a lot of energy and effort into avoiding getting caught unprepared in the rain. Yeah, that was an effort. At work Carrying to make your Carrying my raincoat yourself, in the
0: sunshine almost if there was any chance of rain. This is
1: what made you feel secure. Yeah. Yes. Right? And yes. It's the security is, is action taken as preventive measures yes. against a fear. Yeah. And yet when you get to the root of the fear and you remove that or you neutralize that yeah. then your needs for creating the same securities change. I used to be so afraid... or or I'd hear other people being so afraid if they didn't have, you know, whatever their X number was the base that felt comfortable for them in their bank account. Yeah. And that number is different for everybody. It is. I lived with almost no income for almost the whole time I was in Sri Lanka. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So the idea of income in the bank equaling ability to live, like meaning feed the family, pay, pay bills, have a roof over your head. They became disconnected for me. So from the outside, You know, what what looks like security numbers in the bank, I vis again, viscera keeps coming Mm -hmm. up. I experientially know does not translate into I'm going to security. Yeah. 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 You can still have the things that make life feel safe, even if that's not there. But it's different. But then again, it's not something I can export to other people or just say, oh, just don't care about it. It's not about that. You can't
0: minimize their fear or rationalize it away
1: for them. For, but for it's them, also right? not appropriate for no. me to do that. No, no, no. Because no. it's not, it it's not for me to say, oh, don't worry about this yeah. thing. That's mm-hmm. not a real thing for you. What, I, what it becomes is knowledge for me. I don't need to panic mm-hmm. because I've witnessed that other possibilities can exist. And
0: I don't need to judge someone else for their fears yeah. because it's not about judgment. So, for those of you who are just joining us, you are listening to Essential Conversations with Rebecca Mears and me, Luca Hallex, and uh, we are talking today about the illusion—illusion, uh, um, illusion, not allusion—of safety and security. And and we're just poking around in it. We don't know all the answers, but we're what we certainly know some questions, and that's what we're playing with here mm-hmm. today. Um, is what are some of the questions that we can ask ourselves yeah. about? Yeah. Um what so, what what makes for consternation for us and 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 fear and
1: preventive so measures. Another thing I want to throw out there is through a conversation with another very close friend over this last week and a half. Um I was communicating how m- one of my starting premises for when I'm listening to anybody who's trying to explain how they need a situation to change. They're they're asking for help. They're declaring that something is is unsafe, or that they need attention paid, or something like this. Any in the, anywhere in this zone where this is yeah. not my problem, but I'm le- le- seeking to understand that my my anchoring point from which I get be- I am curious and listening is I have a belief that everybody deserves the right to feel safe. Mm-hmm. And my friend came back to me with, you know, that's a really it, I get why you would have that as your anchoring thought. That's not my reality. I don't get to feel safe. The moment I step out of my home, I'm a target for for a whole list of reasons that this person, for who they be in this world and how um, they interact with all all kinds of things, physical mm-hmm. levels, um, identifying factors, this the intersectionality health, of yeah, all kinds health, of things, yeah. Kinds, and yeah. so they were you know communicating safety is not. It can't be my goal, because if it was my goal, then I would be feeling all the time. So I have to have a different anchor. (laughs) And they are communicating that their anchor point is, am I being true? Mm -hmm. And this was, this is still, I'm ruminating over this. Mm -hmm. It's going deep, and it's going to take time for this to. It matters, Mm -hmm. because there's, it reveals to me, there's an assumption on my side that, yeah, that you didn't even know was an assumption. That's how yeah mm-hmm. they work, right And I guess safety is not necessarily the like most underneath thing that we are all seeking.
0: No. I mean it, it, it matters to you. you value it mm-hmm. um, And you value it for other people. But they may not value it for themselves or even see it as a possibility.
1: Well, and the thing is, if they don't see it as a possibility, then what are they putting their energy in other than that? And I think that's important to validate and to to listen to. (laughs) You know, so this is that kind of gets to the heart of, well, what does safety look like for you? What does security look like for you? And so then security would then be for this individual in their being true to themselves, that they are Mm -hmm. able to speak their voice, that they are able to navigate the world in the way that they believe they must. And that becomes their criteria. And really, this is really what we're aiming at for all of us with this Mm -hmm. is that we need to make these decisions for ourselves what does safety look like for me what does security look like for me why are those things the things that are important to us and what are the rules that we've perceived that we need to follow for that to be created and we can challenge that point too because sometimes the rules that we perceive for how we can then be safe and secure in the ways that are important to us sometimes those rules are (laughs) bullcrap They're not they necessarily true. Yes. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And and I think we should come back and talk about that. But we have, we have a song. We got a song queued up.
1: Yes. So I found this. Uh, this popped up while we were driving up here, and I thought, ah, there's something about this that I like and want to want to share on um, on air today. So this is called Space Walk. It's by Lemon Jelly. Um, I love this song because it seems to have sourced some audio from uh, astronauts doing their first spacewalk. And you can feel the overwhelm of when they are outside and they're not just, you know, doing the technical speak about what they're doing. And then the song is just playing a harmony in the background. But while we play this, let's maybe meditate on the fact of what is that like to go to space where the environment is so drastically different from Earth? And And what does that mean? What does that mean? How does that
0: change our reality and our rules and our... Safety.
1: Yes. So that's a very physical change to the rules that we might normally do. But how does that translate across to all the other rules and things that we follow on a day-to-day basis? So here we go. Spacewalk by Lemon Jelly. The
0: hatch is coming open. Okay. Okay, I'm letting go.
1: You're listening to Essential Conversations with Rebecca and Luca. We just took a listen to the song Spacewalk by Lemon Jelly. And uh, Luca was getting the feels. <laughs> and I was oh, yeah. too. I mean, it I is. always do. But yeah.
0: There's something there about trust. And I think that trust is that counterbalance for the fears that we have around lack of security and lack of safety. Right. And, and I was um, one of the things that's always given me goosebumps. Um, is listening to air traffic controllers. Because there's something phenomenal about the amount of trust that's involved in all of these planes full of people, trusting that the people who are sitting with the radar in these towers, in these airport hubs, are keeping all the passengers on their planes safe. And um, there was I took a, a flight down to San Francisco many years ago on United Airlines, and they I don 't know if they still do this, but they used to. Um, one of the channels on their um, in-flight audio was on takeoff and landing, you could listen to the air traffic controllers talking to the flight deck. And when what happens is that you are one set of air traffic controllers releases the aircraft over to the next set. It's a a handover that happens as you go from one air traffic control territory to another. And the way the air traffic controllers speak to the, um, the flight crew on the flight deck is incredibly respectful. Mm-hmm. And there's a salutation. there's a good evening, a, a salutation and then they then they say goodbye when they hand them over and they make sure that they are being handed over. And this I sat there in my seat and listened to all of this mm. and and it there's there are actually um, uh, recordings on YouTube that you can go and listen to of air traffic control at the biggest airports in the world. And it listening to it anywhere gives me goosebumps because the, because of the level of respect and trust, and that all these people's lives are at stake all day every day, mm-hmm. and that there is the universal language for air traffic control is English, mm-hmm. so you can speak whatever other languages and English, mm-hmm. so everybody learns, and it, so it comes in in all kinds of different accents. With different cadences and, but that's like the the um, finding a common ground for everyone to communicate with one another so everyone is safe. That safety is the primary concern there. Yeah. Um. And so I was thinking about and there's a high level of ritual involved in that for Mm. for good reasons. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking about spacewalks because there is with that too there and and that it's it's highly controlled and highly ritualized. Mm-hmm. Um, so you've got the, the the people who are are out in space and then there's a huge team of people sitting in ground control mm-hmm. who, who have all the computers in front of them and whose job it is to make sure that those people who are out there on a space station or on the moon or wherever it is are safe mm-hmm. and that they come home in one piece. Mm-hmm. So that... Um, w- I mean, I think one of the things that we do when we're feeling unsafe is we have this huge need for control. Mm -hmm. And one of the ways that we create that control is by making rules and following them Mm -hmm. and um, creating ritual. Mm -hmm. And ritual to me is habit with meaning. and, the, and so the more it means to us, and our safety means a lot to us, the more we invest in that. So we're not, we're talking about more than, you know, how do I stir my coffee in the morning? We're, we're now talking about what do we do to keep ourselves safe? So I was thinking about how when we when we meet someone and they're afraid, their fear, although we meet them here and now in the present moment, their fear doesn't that often reside in the present. Right. Their, their, their reaction might reside in the present, but the fea- the cause of the fear is very often outside of that present moment, um, and probably anchored equally in the past and in the future, because mm-hmm. the future is the unknown that they that that nobody can predict, and therefore what we are afraid of, mm-hmm. and the past is the reason for the fear, mm-hmm. and past I say that loosely because mm-hmm. I I'm of the belief that maybe there's multiple realities and all that kind of thing. But mm-hmm. but for the sake of living in a three-dimensional world, we can talk about past and future. Mm-hmm. So so I can't rationalize someone out of their fear mm-hmm. and talk them out of it. I can't shame them out of it. I can't minimize it because it's, it's often not in the present. So and we have to go looking for where it is.
1: Are minimizing it just... It forces them to dig deeper because it's not being taken seriously, therefore yeah. makes them feel yeah. more insecure. It's a feeling. Yeah.
0: You can't rationalize feelings. We can, we can take a look at them. We can see what's underneath them. We can compare um, what was with what is with what could be. Uh, we can do all kinds of things. But I think that's, that's really interesting, that need for control. I was When I was about, I think I was about 14, my mother was in the hospital um, having surgery. And my father was not around, because that that was just the way things were in in my childhood. And I remember she was she was out for several days, and so I put I put my mother's apron on, hmm. and I cooked dinner for my brother and I. And I did it exactly the way she did it. I cooked the food that she had arranged for me to cook. I cooked it in the way she cooked it, and. My brother had a pushback against it hmm. because he was two years younger than me. He didn't understand why I was doing it. I didn't need to wear my mother's apron, but the, my mother's apron symbolized the safety of right. a parent. Mm-hmm. And I was putting on her persona in order to create sustenance for us that would keep us safe.
1: Right. Yeah.
0: So this, and it, it was a ritual. Mm-hmm. That was a ritual. My brother couldn't talk me out of it, um, and and I don't know how safe it made him feel. I I wasn't a, a, aware enough in those days to be mm-hmm. able to even ask him about it. But but I felt I was, eldest child. I felt like it was my responsibility to keep us safe within the scope of what I was capable of. Mm. So that's so that's what I did. So then I was thinking about if um, if we need to maintain control, then. Then what happens when we're in relationships? So we go into a relationship with all the, mm-hmm. with love and lust and, and dreams and ideals and all of that kind of thing. So then what happens when one of us in the relationship grows and or changes at a different pace or in a different direction than the other one? Mm-hmm. So then what happens to that need for control?
1: and okay. and it's so funny because i think a lot of the structure around marriage and divorce and, and the the legal hoops and societal pressures around that, which have been in existence for a couple, you know, a few centuries with some modifications here and there. Yep. But most of that was designed to create a container that would be the security and the safety yes. that would buffer against anybody making decisions based on the things you just said. Yes. So it's sort of like it's irrelevant if you're happy mm-hmm. because this makes it safe. So in that term, mm-hmm. what safety meant was um, nobody would... Um, be tossed out because they weren't romantically attracted to them anymore mm-hmm. and, and left destitute, um, the children would not be abandoned yeah. or left in the care of other people just because two people couldn't make it work. So th- that was the security yes. and the safety that was yes. being aimed at. Yeah. Yet that internal safety of self, mm-hmm. um, security and being true to yourself Those things were not tended to. So again, it begs to ask the question of what is most important to you? Yes. Yes. (laughs) How do you How do you make your decisions? Yeah. Yeah. And and
0: how do each of us react when we're we're in something that's really important to us? Whatever it is, job, career, relationship, whatever, creative endeavor, and something changes over which we have no control.
1: Mm Hmm. Which happens. All, happens the all the time.
0: time right? <laughs> what do, how do I react to that? And I'm not saying I've got any answers here. I just know that I've been in a number of those situations in my life and, and I haven't known necessarily what to do. Yeah. I mean, I think ultimately what I did was I had to come back to being true to myself and knowing what my strengths were and what my passion was and and staying true to that. But I didn't have a significant other to take into consideration, nor did I have any children.
1: Yeah. I just had a big conversation with my son this week that was related to this because he's had a few um, unexpected mishaps happen lately that have really sent him reeling. And so I spoke to him. He's witnessed me go through a whole bunch of scenarios where the rug was pulled out from underneath me. How do I regain my orientation? How do I move forward? And, you know, when he was really down... I found myself telling him my formula. I didn't know I had a formula, but again, rituals, right? <laughs> you could say it. I don't know if ritual feels like the right word here, but
0: Well, and some rituals are really productive and some are not. It doesn't Right. And right? this is
1: more of a mental mental process for myself. And so, when I don't know what to do and everything seems like it's falling apart, then I go simple and make sure I'm taking care of myself physically and mentally cuz Nobody else can do that for me. So Mm -hmm. getting exercise, eating properly, talking with people who understand me and uplift me rather than people who are going to be Mm -hmm. telling me what they think I should do because that doesn't help me. That doesn't make me feel Mm -hmm. stronger. Um, Those things take care of me. And then, and maybe I don't know what's going to happen next. There's too many, too many moving pieces, but maybe there's a sense of, well, but this is the direction I want to be going because there's, there's something on, I'm, I'm, Putting my hand like it's over the mountain, right? Well, yeah, <laughs> going back over to there. your
0: dream, going back to your intent. Or, yes, important
1: the intent. Where do I want right. to get to? Or what is it that I want to be feeling? Or yeah. is there is there a non-negotiable here? So, for instance, mm-hmm. when a whole bunch of stuff was falling apart and I knew that I had to be out of where I was living by the end of the month, I didn't have a place to go to yet. Yep. Didn't know how that was going to work out. So I don't, there's a whole bunch of hows that are like so burdensome that I could barely move. Mm-hmm. It's almost paralyzing sometimes. Yeah. But the one thing I knew was that I was going to have to pack. I didn't know where the boxes were going to go, but I'd have to pack. Yeah. So I and packed. was
0: something you could do, and you right. could see I've packed this number of boxes. Yeah. I'm yeah. this much closer to having everything be packed.
1: Yeah. Yep. So I packed, and I cried while well, I packed because I didn't yep. know what was going to happen, you know. But right. th- that's, all oh, okay. <laughs> None of those things are bad. But it was like I was creating... My, I was anchoring my security into, do the thing that you can do. Mm. And so I was offering that to my son. Do the thing that you know you're going to have to do. Mm-hmm. Do that thing. You maybe don't know the next step. And we want to, we really like to know what our next steps are. It's nice to be able to see the staircase in front of us. Yeah. But we don't always get to choose that. Mm. So doing the thing that we know we must do, at least, is some movement because when we are in motion, then things that can continue to change and evolve, and we can see discover. Put your, put new your things. foot
0: out, and the next yeah. lily pad will show up underneath your foot as you're just about
1: yeah. Well, usually to put you can see down. the next one, just the next one, <laughs> not yeah. the one beyond that. Yes, yes. It's
0: the next for one. <laughs> sure. Yeah, it's like walking in the fog, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. So I think that, um, w- this whole idea of what do we try to control and Um, Mm. that that, because I just had this thought the other day about me putting my mother's apron on and and how I remember how annoyed my brother was around it he felt like I was controlling him but what I was really trying to do was control the situation so that my 14 year old self would feel safe
1: Mm -hmm.
0: right Mm -hmm. and and so I think that speaks to having compassion for ourselves and that Mm when i'm trying to control something i often go overboard and try to control the life out of it right but that when i'm tr- trying to and somebody gives me feedback that i'm being controlling i need to have some compassion for myself and say oh okay you're feeling insecure right mm-hmm. what what are you afraid about and what else can you do to make yourself feel safe instead of trying to control everything so mm-hmm. that you you know suck the life out of it
1: mm-hmm.
0: cuz i ha- i have the ability when I'm really out of balance that's what I can end up doing right and I don't like myself when I'm doing it but I don't always know when it's happening right Um, and I'm less likely to to know what's happening if I can't have any compassion for myself when I figure it out Mm -hmm. right so it's um, what's my intention um, if I go back to that, what's my intention? I, mm-hmm. I want to feel safe. I want to feel like there's a place for me in the universe where I'm not going to die or become a, a bag lady. Right. So, um, and so, what what other options do I have, or mm-hmm. how to do that, as opposed to defending my position when I'm when I'm controlling things?
1: And in the controlling sense, um, this is where we often tend to fall back on the rules that we've incorporated in our brain is this is the way to get something done or this is the way to get to the other side of whatever this problem is and
0: it's the only way
1: yeah we just yeah and my life pattern over the oh man it's been decades i think i've been learning this lesson over and over (laughs) is that um it's not that 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 those rules don't show a valid path yeah and that works for a lot of people that's why it became a rule i personally don't tend to take that path, which makes people nervous. My family, you know, who loves me. And what are you doing over there, Rebecca? That's not, what are you doing? You know, it you're looks unsafe. You're at the unsafe. end of the
0: branch and you're sawing off the branch. Yeah. So in for instance, you know,
1: being yeah. in Vancouver, not being able to afford a but one bedroom. So I go sign a lease for a, a six bedroom house. Because that makes sense mm-hmm. when you have no money, right? Yeah. yeah. That yeah, makes yeah, sense. It yeah, yeah. does not make sense, yeah. right? That yeah. doesn't follow the rules. And yet that became... The door to which more, sta- more security and safety showed up for my kids and I, because I had figured out by that point that... Um this much money in my bank account equaling this amount of rent that I'm going to be able to pay was not an equation that was actually valid for my life.
0: And how long do you have to do it for?
1: If my rent, if my rent was little, yeah. mm-hmm. I still struggled to pay the little. When my mm-hmm. rent is big, I still struggle the exact same amount. Mm-hmm. I, it's weird, mm-hmm. but it is true. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. would you rather be struggling in the little space or struggling in the big space? And then I actually found a way there. Where it's not struggling. We can actually get to the other side yeah. and be and like you thriving. Found, you found
0: some passion. In, in there at the same time, right? Yeah. Because I think when we hit the right thing, we can feel it. Yeah. We can feel it. So, yeah. um, c- security is so interesting. Yeah. So, like I, and we probably could have m- some more shows where we talk about this because yeah. I don't think that we've got to the bottom of we're skimming along the surface and saying, Oh, f- oh isn't always. this an interesting field we could come back in here and pick flowers for a long time because <laughs> um, how interesting, right? And I and for all of you who are listening out there, um you know, come come comment if you yeah. feel like feel like doing that. Um, we tweet out during the show. Um, not this, the shows where we talk to one another like this. We don't do as much uh, tweeting, um, but we tweet out links to the songs and that kind of thing on Twitter. Um, and our handle is Essential Conversation. So it's Essential Conv because we can't we can't do the whole <laughs> the whole word in there. Twitter cuts us off, so it's Essence T I A L. C O N V. So please come and come and meet us over there and uh, and drop us a comment uh, if you've got something yeah. to say about this. it's yeah. maybe, maybe interesting topic
1: to hear about. What is something that you thought was a key way of being safe or being secure that you found out was a lie? I'm especially curious to hear about those yeah. because not yeah. not just the, the yeah. what sense was that the illusion? oh yeah, what was mm-hmm. the illusion and where did you find was the truth? Right? Yeah. Because that's yeah. the thing. The truth yeah. is. Yeah. Uh, money expands to fill the pots that come in front of me. This is what I have found for my life, which mm-hmm. sounds counterintuitive. It doesn't sound like it makes sense. Yeah, but it, but works. it has been an approach that seems to work for seems me. I would not necessarily yeah, yeah, yeah. advise it to other people. Yeah. But yeah. it's. Yeah. <laughs> well, I
0: was talking to somebody the other day about why we have people bring song choices when they come on the show. And so many people have said that a particular piece of music has got them through a time when they felt completely unsafe and insecure right yes
1: yeah so it brings for some them people, home music
0: Ooh. really does that for them for other people it doesn't for me it's relationship it's people it's always people yeah. I have to reach out to people um, but for so, some people they don't even have any people they feel like they can reach out to and a song will do it
1: it's the idea of, of returning you to what's true again
0: yeah And And sometimes what's
1: true for you are the hard lessons that you've learned through life and the the songs or these things. I've got a list of um, life truths that I've learned. It's up in my kitchen and it's been there for years and it hasn't changed very much. But those things, Mm -hmm. I have to go back to them because I forget. But they're truths. But when I do, like if I'm feeling off kilter, if I'm feeling unsafe, if I'm feeling insecure, Mm -hmm. that's where I go to ground. And These you say to me,
0: what do you know? Luca, yeah. what do you know? Yeah. And that br- that brings me back every time. Yeah. Every time. So before we finish up the show today, mm-hmm. I would love to remind people, um, all of you out there, we have an archive of shows. Mm-hmm. And we're closing in on 200 shows now, right? Oh, we've passed it. Passed 200 yeah. shows. Um, they're not all up on the, on the website yet, but we've got, like, mighty archives now. <laughs> and I invite you to come and... Uh, Dip in and out and and listen to people that you think sound interesting. For every show we've done, we have it in our our archives, and we include a little um, bio about who the person is and how you can reach them if you you have something to say to them or you want to connect with them or you have a question or anything like that, um, how you can find their websites, that kind of stuff. So it's there, and all of the conversations that we've had together are Mm -hmm. all on there. And it's free. Yeah. So uh, it makes us really happy when people dive in there and, and have a listen. We're also on SoundCloud, and we're on iTunes. So you can, you can find us in a number of different places, and, and y- um, you and I both have on our websites links to right. that page, so people can, can either reach it through essentialconversations.com or they can come to either one of our websites if mm-hmm. they already have a connection to that. Yeah. You so, can
1: find us as long as you spell essential weirdly, which is the yes. word essence. And then, and then T-I-A-L, T-I-A-L added on the end of it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. So I love that's I just wanted to get that out there Thank before you. we finish the show today because um, we, we love to be able to share this and really we're, we're only on here for one hour each mm-hmm. week so mm-hmm. some people aren't free for that hour on a Friday afternoon um, they're heading out of town or they're still working or got kids up the wazoo or whatever <laughs> so, so sometimes it's really nice to be able to take the recording and listen to it in the bathtub or um, you know, when you're, when you're off on your own somewhere Yeah. Um, so please take advantage of that
1: yeah. and do you have anything coming up that you want to invite people to?
0: Um, I'm accepting uh, new coaching clients at the moment. I have a couple of openings, so if anybody's interested in exploring that for me, the exploratory session is free, so you can find out more about that through my website. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm about to go up to Whitehorse uh, in the middle of August, so if anybody lives in Whitehorse in the Yukon and or knows somebody who does, I'll be doing readings while I'm up there, and you can find out about that from my website as awesome. well. Mm-hmm. And what have you got happening?
1: Well, still working on uh, the Blossom Co-housing project. So finding the houses with landlords that are interested in trying a different model where we're putting a couple of single families together in large the large empty houses in Vancouver and then running some Airbnb through the extra rooms so that that between the two families and the Airbnb it covers the larger rent, yeah, it becomes sustainable and also gives families access to beautiful mm-hmm. supportive good-feeling housing instead of the dingy back rooms that they're often relegated to when you're on your own and with kids and can't go house hunting. And I'm also accepting uh, coaching clients. I've I've got a special uh, focus these days on those who come through um, extreme religious backgrounds and who are looking to do some understanding and cleanup of how that's impacted their lives i work with a lot of people that have that in their background and
0: moving forward yeah from from that yes and my Releasing. my brand of coaching is about helping people to use their intuition mm-hmm. in their businesses and in their lives um to enhance what they're doing so we both have a slightly different curve on, yeah <laughs> on what we're doing which
1: is fun and exciting um so any, anything else that you've no, got? No, we're good. Next back? week we've got um, uh, Marianne Saunders is going to be joining us. Uh, she's a professor at UBC. will be joining us on our special Pride Programming Day. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have join the us final day of
0: Pride Programming right. at the station. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Join us live then. And until next week. I wonder what's around the corner. Essential Conversations
0: is brought to you courtesy of Luca Halleck's Power Sorcerer.
1: And Rebecca Mears, Certified Coach.
0: Increase your awareness, expand your options, empower yourself. Luca
1: can be reached at www.lucahallux.com. I light the fires that light a thousand more. Connect with Rebecca at catchingfire.ca. Yep, yep, yep. yep,
0: yep. Oh, ah,
1: ah, 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 ah,